Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT, back with you on Raider Nation Radio. Quick one-hour show as we begin, brought to you by PT's. The best happy hour in town, all 64-plus locations open, Vegas open, 80%. The town is ready for you. Head on out to PT's to watch the Golden Knights, talk sports, any game, anytime. PT's, we appreciate them fueling the monologue. Just landed 20 minutes ago, literally 25 minutes ago. Wife picked me up curbside at JSX. I don't know if you've flown that carrier before, but wow, unbelievable service at that terminal there so got off the plane and came home and we're ready to roll i wanted to get in an hour here because i was just up at fred bolitnikoff's hall of fame invitational golf tournament where i had the honor of emceeing that for the 17th time out of 17 years and it was great the event was last night we're up there sunday monday just came back and i'm so energized because i was hanging out with all these hall of famers Spent a couple of days with Fred Bolitnikoff, Rich Gannon, Rod Woodson, the Mad Bomber, Daryl LaMonica, coaches, uh, athletes in other sports, NBA players. It was just great sitting outside, drinking beer, a little bit of wine at night, cigars, and listening to these legends of the Raiders uh, talk sports and talk about their career and their lives and tie it into today. And it was, it was really special. It is special every year I get a chance to do it, but because of COVID last year and the way they did it, and to get back to an unbelievable golf course at Ruby Hill, and then a beautiful banquet where we raised a lot of money for Tracy's Place of Hope. Uh, the late Tracy Bolitnikoff, Fred and Angela Bolitnikoff have the foundation in her name. Live auction, unbelievable Super Bowl tickets, cruises, an auctioneer who raised a lot of money. It just felt great when I wrapped it up and to thank everybody for the money they spent to help fund Tracy's Place of Hope, which is really important to me. So thanks again to the Bolitnikoffs, Fred and Angela, for everything they do. The Raiders support. The Raiders really support this event financially with their donation. And, you know, for me to introduce Steve Largent, a Hall of Famer, James Lofton, to go down the list of boxers, Carlos Palomino, Tony the Tiger Lopez, and just to go through the list of all these people that were there and have an opportunity to sit down with them and break bread, it truly is an honor. And I would not have that honor if it wasn't for the Raiders and the Raider fans and some of the people that put me in that position. And, you know, in our business here, we get asked to do a lot of charity work, and I'd always love to do more and more. How would you not want to do more and more? But this is a staple in my life, along with Coaches versus Cancer, Tracy's Place of Hope, and just lifts everybody's spirit. A young girl who's in recovery, a former addict, came up and she gave her speech. Uh, she had Her name was Selah. She had to be 19, 20 years old in recovery. And she spoke and everyone gave her a standing ovation. And to see everybody come together, really cool, really great. Good to be back in the Bay Area and good to be back in Vegas as we get rolling here. So I don't know who you put on the Mount Rushmore of Raider players in your life, depending on what your age is. But Fred Bolitnikoff special. You know that if you're a Raider fan. And the fact that Fred went through that tragedy of losing his daughter who was murdered and then put his head down 
and build and build and build and actually have a recovery center and do that in Tracy Bolitnikoff's name is special. And as Fred talked about as tragedy, as you fall down in life, hopefully something positive comes out of it. And so many young girls have been affected by Tracy's Place of Hope. So many girls have been recovered and saved who were going down the wrong path. And that's a great legacy. One of the many legacies of Brett Bolitnikoff. You know, I've had the opportunity to introduce him many times at events. But as I always say, he's like a second dad to me. And he's a guy that I really believe will be known for being a husband and a father, even more so than a legendary football player. So, again, thanks to Fred and Angela for having me up there. Flew back with Rod Woodson, the Hall of Famer. What great conversations with him, not only about current players, but his era. And to watch Rod Woodson last night, listen to Fred Bolitnikoff tell stories about the 60s and the 70s, and Rod talking about his former mentor, Dick LeBeau, and the coaches that he had who were Freddie's friends. You know, sitting around listening to those stories, just listening, is really incredible. You learn a lot about football, and I think I learn a lot about the history of the game and why the history is so important. So just a quick update on that. Good to be back here. And what I want to do here, we only have an hour, is I want to get into your Raider draft grade. Because anchoring the pre and the post for the draft for two days, we didn't take a lot of calls. You might have heard the recap yesterday with Lincoln Kennedy and Eric Allen about what they talked about. And a lot of people, I I looked at it this way, and I talked to a lot of people up north about this. Barry Sims, former tackle for the Raiders, a couple of offensive linemen. And they were asking me, JT, what did you think of the draft? What did you think? We're going back and forth. And I think after the drafting of Leatherwood right out of the gate, I think people and Raider fans needed a couple of days to digest that pick. Because in theory, the pick looks great. Big, big, oversized guy. Massive, massive program at Alabama. An Outland Trophy winner. A guy who's been an All-American. So all of that lines up beautifully. But for whatever reason, Raider fans and the NFL media in general love to say, and not all Raider fans, not all Raider fans, but some just thought that they reached on the pick. And they could have got Leatherwood instead of at 17. When could they have got him? We don't know. We have no idea. And that's what bothers me the most is when fans get triggered when, A, they don't know what the hell's going on. But I'm one of those guys. That's why I have a couple of radio shows. We can think. We can pretend we're a GM. We have the right to have opinions and analyze the draft. But we have no idea what's going on in the war room. No idea the amount of work that went into those picks. No idea of the technicians and the offensive line scouts and the coaches who put all their time into this player. Conversations with Nick Saban. Conversations with Leatherwood. Just whatever it takes to get him. And you got some Raider fans saying we could have took him at 40. Could have got him at 38. You have no idea. You have no idea where you could have got him. None. Actually, less than none. Negative zero. You have no idea where Leatherwood was going to go on anybody's board, and you'll never, ever, ever know. So the Raiders got their guy. Now, when we were listening, when we were listening to the draft coverage, I want to begin with Mike Mayock here with Leatherwood at right tackle. What a lot of people couldn't understand is why are they drafting an offensive lineman who isn't a right tackle? And that's really the code we're all trying to crack here over the last couple of days. As you're digesting the pick, here's what Mike Mayock had to say. 
Uh, he can play inside and outside, but he's going to start at right tackle for us day one, and uh, we're going to see if he can hold on to that job. Now, I want to move to what he said about Tom Cable's player. So this, to me, should have shut everybody up. Sorry to be so blunt. Well, well what, what do you want me to do? Tell, say it to simmer people down? No, this is the line that at least should shut up the majority of people in the NFL who weren't in the Ra- Raiders' war room when Mike Mayock said this. Tom Cable, our offensive line coach, I, in all honesty, you'd have to ask Tom, but uh, this might have been Tom's favorite player in this entire class. I mean, Coach Cable has been all over him for months now since the first time he saw the tape. Coach Gruden loved this guy. Our scouts love this guy. And what I like is when the second floor in our building, which is all the coaches, and the third floor, which is all the scouts, when we're united on a conversation like Leatherwood, that makes me feel really good about the pick. Now, that's a very interesting soundbite. That better never be erased from our system here at Lotus Broadcasting because it's very important to me because it's basically Mayock going on record and saying that this was Tom Cable's guy. What's wrong with that? Tom Cable's a former head coach, a great offensive line coach, John Gruden. So that line should have calmed down the Raider Nation. But as I was at the Westgate with the Black Hole on Saturday night with Gorilla Rilla and Phil Villapiano, everybody's talking about this pick. And everybody keeps asking me, JT, what do you think of the pick? I go, I don't know. They seem to all be on the same page. I heard the word love, love, love the pick. Cable's favorite guy and all that. So that's fine by me. Oh, and then by the way, He's a great leader. He's a captain of a team, and he played for Alabama. So I'm not knocking the Raider Nation for scrutinizing where the kid, who's a man-child, should have been drafted. Could he, be in, could he have been drafted later on? Absolutely. But the Raiders took him there for a reason. And that reasoning, and even though I got good connections in the building with Coach Gruden, that reasoning is not going to change because I tell you something different on the radio. That is a united front on the first pick of the draft. That is a united front on Leatherwood, the first pick in the draft. So you're going to buy his jersey and be with him? Or are you going to be the tiny percent of the Raider fans who make the loudest noise on Twitter and say, this sucks and Gruden must not be getting along with Mayock. I can't believe this controversial pick. Because other teams don't do that. But maybe the NFL media and fans are right. Because the Raiders reached for Damon Arnett. Fact, not fiction. He was a need. They didn't have a second-round pick. And they took Arnett. So if I could go back in the hot tub time machine, I wouldn't take Arnett. I'd take a multiple of players. Maybe 10 players I'd take over Arnett. And Arnett's going to have to prove that he can play in this league and be legit. Then we go back to Cleveland Farrell. At four overall. Fourth pick overall. If we could go back in the hot tub time machine, would you give that pick up? Well, you would because I can name some of the picks that were taken after that and your head would rock. But they're both young. So Cleve Farrell from Clemson, a national champion, and Arnett have a couple of years under salary control with their rookie contracts to prove that they were drafted at the right spot. But the clock is ticking. As Berman would say, tick, 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 it's ticking. So we got to see what's going to happen. Now, is the clock ticking on Leatherwood? Yeah, it is ticking on him. But the guy clearly has a chip on his shoulder. 
Here's Alex Leatherwood talking about all the mock draft pundits who didn't have him going at number 17, which is, I don't think he was supposed to go. I, I, I have, my wife didn't throw it out. I have 9, 10, 12 mock drafts stapled, and no one had Leatherwood going this high. He was asked about it. Uh, I'm not like I'm not the type of dude to fall into like the media hype, mock drafts, and all that good stuff. Uh, so I just like did what I could do well, you know what I mean? Did the best I could do, and uh, trusted the process, and <clears throat> it all went great. Yeah, trust the process; it all went great. This guy's got nothing to apologize for. But you see, I'm too, I'm too in the bubble. I'm too in the bubble to to really, I don't want to say be accurate or passionate about it. I'm too inside to not get pissed off at the reaction by Raider fans, and a lot of them, a lot of them, with the way they went after this kid. It pissed me the hell off. It pissed me the hell off because none of these people, small minority of fans, you know me, I'm not talking about a large, small minority of fans wouldn't have the balls to go up to this kid and say anything that they said on Twitter about him. And they'd be the first one to take a selfie and the first one to say, hey, man, I love the pick when they met him. These are the same people on social media that went nuts and almost broke the Internet. So I've been waiting to say this for three days because we couldn't take calls on the postgame show because we were just doing a quick show with Lincoln and Eric. Lincoln Kennedy loved the pick. He didn't like it. Loved it. He didn't think he'd be there. How about that? Lincoln thought he would be gone by 17. So Lincoln loves the pick, and Lincoln was a great right tackle. And Lincoln thinks he has all the attributes. The only thing I'm concerned about with Alex Leatherwood is pass protection. And the the lighter players and the faster edge rushers who can bend coming around the corner. And can Leatherwood get out and move his feet quick enough to put his hands on some of these guys and slow them down and keep them off Derek Carr? I don't know. But he had a hell of a lot of reps at Alabama in run and pass. And I'm hoping he's up to doing it. So that's where we stand. I want to get your opinion on this, 702-365-9200. I want your grades. I'm going to go through the other players that were drafted. They get more to safety, who I think comes in as an instant starter, as we said. See, I'm pretty accurate with my opinions on this. If you're drafting the first and second pick or even the third pick, they must start. They must start, or to me it's a failure. Now, if they get injured, if something happens, they get injured, I didn't say that. But if they don't come in to this program and play in the opening game, that would be Leatherwood at right tackle, Morey at safety. That would be deeply disappointing to me. And then some of the other draft picks are going to have an opportunity, you know, to come in and compete and hopefully start. But they're going to be in the rotation for depth because it's a, it's a brand-new defense with Gus Bradley. And again, I talked to Rod Woodson. I'm not exaggerating for hours, hours on the concept of what Gus Bradley's doing with this defense that I wasn't aware of until I heard it from one of the greatest players of all time. And I'm talking one of the greatest players of all time. And Rod was talking about the personnel and who they have and how it should fit better with this scheme with Gus Bradley. So I'm really excited about that. So that's what we're going to do. We'll dive into these picks. We'll get your opinion. But I thought today for the next 45 minutes, let's get a couple of calls in here at 702-365. 9,200, and let me know what you think. And again, it's a better radio show when you don't agree with me. I'm not asking you to get in line with me. I don't know. I don't know if Leatherwood's going to be a pro bowler or not. But I'll tell you one thing. I think the reaction should be much more giving 
by the Raider Nation to this kid. Okay, we're starting to feel it with Ruggs. Ruggs was the first ever player taken in Las Vegas by the Raiders. I'm not hearing a lot of fans saying a lot of great things about Ruggs, and he's a baby in this league. He just came into the league. Had there been players who he was drafted with playing better? Yeah, but it's early in his career, and you should really be by his side. So again, this is the show that I expect you to call in on because this is the show that's had the greatest callers in Raider history. No debate, not even close. So if you're new in Las Vegas, you can call at 702-365-9200. If you're listening anywhere around the country on the Raiders app, and you've been calling me for 20-plus years or 20 minutes, give us a call on the picks here. How did it feel after you digested these picks over two or three days? Because I'm sensing everybody calmed down a bit and liked the draft. But I looked at some of these mock draft grades, and the Raiders are getting C's and C-minuses. And I put out a tweet. If the Raiders drafted Trevor Lawrence, Penny Sewell, and then they went in and took Micah Parsons, those are the first three picks, there'd be some mock draft analysts ripping the Raiders. The Raiders are low-hanging fruit now for everybody. And I think the Raider Nation needs to understand that more. So I'll give you two examples. I was at the Westgate at the Black Hole, probably the most diehard of all the Raider fans, right? I mean, diehard. The Black Hole. They're at the Westgate, a couple hundred people. These fans would literally put their body on the line for their Raider fandom. They love it. Okay, then I was up at this event all weekend with Raider legends who are really happy about the direction the team's going in. But there are critics out there, and a lot of it tend to be the national media, and they don't even look. After, after Leatherwood was drafted, and the national media were like, oh, my God, the Raiders reached. Oh, look, they're reaching again. Oh, my God, look at them reach. Then the rest of these idiots, all they did was go, oh, I'm just going to say what he said. I'm going to say what he said. The Raiders reached. Well, how'd they reach? Who'd they reach for? Why? And they just said, no, 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 that's what, that's what Mel Kuyper said and a couple other guys, so I'm just going to stick with that. And then it just started to spiral. Just started to spiral. And people just started saying, oh, it's a disaster draft. It's a disaster draft. Outland Trophy winner, Alabama team captain, dominated in the SEC week in and week out. And today's fans, when they have a Twitter account, they think they're all NFL talent experts. Give me a break. Tom Cable wanting him is all I needed to hear. Cable probably had his finest year of coaching last year. His opinion is all that anybody should care about. But, you know, the kid's got to show up and play. Kid's got to be really good. And it sounds like he will, and he's got a chip on his shoulder. 702-365-9200. Dino in Toronto. My first call north of the border. How are you, Dino? What's up, JT, man? Uh, long-time fan, uh, multiple-time caller. Uh, so nice to hear your voice and talking about the Raiders again. Um, I... My take on this whole thing is that uh, after reading all the, you know, you got to let the dust settle, right? So I read a report, I believe it was from Big Taper from The Athletic, mm. and they said that Baltimore was going to take this kid with number 27, I believe. So, I mean, that's a, he's a pretty reputable journalist. I mean, I follow Vic, mm, too. I mean, sure. his, uh, his work very is good. Uh, very commendable. And yeah, I mean, very good. So, like, you don't, you don't be dropping stories like this if, if, if they're not, you know, if there's not some validity to them. Um, on a, on another note, I'm really pumped. I love I love this kid. 
Uh, I love his demeanor. Uh, he comes from a national champion. He, he's, a, he's a winner. And uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, to, you know, seep through to the rest of the team. But they also needed to uh, shore up that right side. They believe they got the guy. I mean, look, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? I mean, but mm. we don't know if this kid's going to be the next big thing or who knows if he even, you know, performs at the highest level. But I, I believe they made the right choice. Uh, it was a choice that had to be done. It was a need, a position of need. Um, I'm really excited about our second pick, actually, the kid from uh, TCU. Yep. Um, I thought he was uh, the steal of the whole draft, actually. Uh, so, I mean, I, I give us an A. Uh, just on just on the picks alone, obviously these, these kids got to play and they got to prove themselves. But on, a, on another note, JT, because I know you can appreciate this, what a last name for this offensive tackle, a right tackle. Leather wood. He's going to lay the leather or he's going to lay the wood. Either way, you're going to get it. So, I mean, um, he's, got a, he's got the perfect name. Let's just hope that uh, it equates to uh, the talent. Thanks again, man. Appreciate Excellent it. Excellent call. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like I have a radio show in Toronto today, not Vegas. First call from Toronto, and he dialed 702-365-9200. I like the name Divine Diablo. I like that name a lot. That's like sounds like a shot. You know, it's not like a type of shot you'd get at the Raider Tavern and Grill. Yeah, I'll have a Dia- Divine Diablo, please. And I'll throw it back with a Remy Martin and a Modelo. Divine Diablo. Malcolm Kuntz. Trevor Morig. Tyree Gillespie, who I'm really excited about. Depth at that position. And we'll see how the rest of it pans out here. Nate Hobbs and Jimmy Morrissey. I thought the Raiders did well. Look, as I've told everybody this, I think the Raiders are now sold out when it comes to their roster. What I mean, there's nothing available. Sold out. Every position is accounted for. Every one. Right? Every, we know the starters. Mullen and Arnett, if healthy. We know Abram, Morig, depending on what's going to happen in the backfield. There's 20 guys on the defensive line. Last I looked, I had 17 or 18. Offensive line, done. The, two, the best backup running back in football, period. The best backup quarterback in all of football, period. And four to five wide. Anytime you want to line up with Carr, four to five wide with Waller leading the charge. This is your team, everybody. I'm not saying that they could get Richard Sherman or they couldn't bring in another veteran. I'm, I'm sure something else is going to happen. But this is your team. And I, I think you're going to ride and die with them. Maybe you think there's another team That's better. Maybe you think the Raiders are one year away, two years away. I don't know what you think unless you call me and let me know. But that's what I think now, that we pretty much know what the Raiders have. Now, coach them up and hope they're healthy. Because that was a big conversation, and I won't share it with most people on radio. But a lot of the conversations that I was up up north with Bolitnikoff and all the legends, guys who were, you know, Freddie's telling stories how we used to park cars in the offseason at Golden Gate Fields, the track in the Bay Area, because he only made $21,000 a year as a football player, and him and six of his teammates would park cars for tips as their job because they needed to make money. And these guys, Daryl LaMonaco, all them people talking about what they did to make ends meet as football players, and some of them now are walking around with canes, you know, trying to get around, hip replacements. I mean... Don't talk to me about availability after what I talked about this weekend with these guys. These football players were available. 
They played through pain. They always played, and they were there for their teammates. And the majority of the Raiders do that now. But this team needs to be much more available. But the good news is they have a lot of depth. So if someone goes down, misses a week or two, I think there's going to be some pretty good backups that could come in and play in this league. The monologue brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. When I'm talking X's and O's, it's with a Remy Martin cocktail, Remy Martin sidecar with some Remy Tercet. That's the way you watch and talk football. Remy Martin, we appreciate their partnership here on the show. All right, let's keep it going here. we got about another half hour or so before I get out of here. More Raider draft grades. First call was an A. <laughs> an A? I, I wouldn't give it an A. Because, you know, you got to be a little bit realistic. An A? I didn't get many A's in school. I strived for B's and made Dad proud when an A floated in every so often. Bobby's on the board. Oh, I'm going to get to Robin Leonard. The goalie when I come back. You don't want to miss that. Vegas in the midst of a change. Now a steal. Stevenson right circle for Stone in the middle. And he scored. Mark Stone capitalizes on a defensive zone giveaway by Minnesota. Mark Stone with his second point of the day. Vegas has a 4-2 lead. JT back with you. Brought to you by the Henderson Hyundai Superstore. Boulder Highway in Henderson. Why wait? They have the super deals you're looking for. You can buy a car on your iPhone. They'll deliver it right to your house. Frank and his team can't wait to meet you. They're official partners of the Vegas Golden Knights. So Stone scores to go up 4-2. And then Marceau looked like he put the game away when he hit this one. Wah sets up Carlson through center. Riley Smith still in the box. Carlson centered. Martinez, extra pass. They score. What a finish by Jonathan Marceau. 5-3 Golden Knights. Four minutes to go second period. So they're feeling pretty good here. But we know the wild and we know how tough it is to put these games away. And Minnesota started clawing back. And they clawed back in a big way. Talbot has not yet gone to the bench. Who will get control? Fiala in the middle. Shoots, kick save, rebound, score! Tie game with 1.32 to play. Once again, it's a rebound goal from Minnesota. So the collapse was on. When you got a two-goal lead in the third period, you got to win the game. Leonard wasn't able to do that. It was all wild late in this game, and they finally put it away. So it's a 5-5 tie. First tie since 2-2. And now they score again. Left point shot from Brodeen. And it's a 6-5 Minnesota lead with 106 to go in the third. Three goals in the third period. So that was it there. Dan Duva on the call. So I'll say this again. I said this before. Marc-Andre Fleury should have a statue in front of T-Mobile. A beautiful bronze statue. It should be right out there so we can meet and have a beer at the Flurry statue. I don't know why we're waiting. I don't know how much it costs. I can lead the fun drive. I'll donate the first thousand bucks, if that's what it is, 500 bucks for the Flurry statue. Okay? You got my word on that. And we got one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. He can't play in every game, but in every big game in the playoffs, I want Flurry in. Nothing against Robin Leonard. He's had an up and down year. I get it. He's back. This is Marc-Andre Fleury's team. You go and win the cup with him, or you don't. But you let Fleury do it. 
Been dying to say that, too, after reading all the recaps. We're taking your Raider calls, but I'm always talking Golden Knights with the playoffs right around the corner. 702-365-9200 as we're digging in. And we'll do this again, too, tomorrow. We'll dig into Raider draft grades, and hopefully tomorrow we have a surprise or two with a guest uh, the Raiders are working on for us, which will be a lot of fun. Tim in Texas. Thanks for holding, Tim. What's happening? Uh, hello, JT. It was an honor to talk to you after listening to you all these years. My pleasure, Tim. Pleasure to talk to you. But Go ahead. I just wanted to talk about the draft. I admit at first I was kind of surprised when um, when I, when they took Leatherwood. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I knew they were going to take a right tackle. So you got to take whatever you need. And then you ended up getting the safety in the second round anyway. When I see the Cowboys take uh, the linebacker and then the Arizona took the linebacker from Tulsa, I knew the Raiders were going to get a right tackle. And I think that I think that they got the the best run blocking right tackle in the NFL. And his feet is his feet is so good. I guarantee you he'll be able to he'll be able to pass the tech better uh, uh, as, as 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 he goes on. Yeah, I would agree. I think he's going to be phenomenal at run blocking. He should. He blocks out the sun. I was talking to Raymond Chester about it. You know the great Raymond Chester, and he compared him to mm-hmm. Bob Brown. Uh, now Bob Brown's one of the greatest offensive linemen of all time. But he said, he rem- I go, tell me more about Bob Brown and how big he was. And Raymond Chester told me some stories, and he was very optimistic and excited to tell stories about Gene Upchar and Art Shell. But he said, until we brought Bob Brown in, Bob Brown bought an anger, an anger, and an intensity that even those two guys didn't have at that level. So I think Leatherwood's going to come in and be a really vicious, angry player, and he's going to start pushing the pile forward. But again, I like when the Raiders throw the ball, and he's got it. When you're a right and left tackle, you have to be quick in pass protection, and I don't think that's going to be his strength. I think his strength's going to be run blocking. Yeah, that's what they. You know, and you know that's what they got him for. You know, mm-hmm. that's exactly what they got him for because of his run blocking. And I also like what you said earlier about the people. I was thinking the same thing about the guys that they got in the in the in the defensive backfield because we sure. had a lot of injuries last year. And, I, and, and we got people all across the board just in case somebody gets hurt. They, they, they got a lot of depth, and I, I love the draft. Yeah, thanks for the call. When you look on the back end of what they were able to do late, bringing in Divine Diablo, who's a hybrid. I love hybrid players. I like players that are hybrids, and you can move them to safety or linebacker. They can do a lot of things. And then I thought it was a really good pick to bring in Tyree Gillespie when they showed his B-roll and we got a chance to see how he was able to – make plays and react. That was exciting to see. And then Nate Hobbs. Nate Hobbs came in out of Illinois. My wife went to Illinois, so we watch a lot of their games. And I remember a couple of his games. He's a big-time player. He's the best defensive guy, top two defensive player on Illinois, and they play in a tough conference in the Big Ten. So I'm looking forward to seeing him play. But I thought the elephant in the room, the elephant in the room was that when you end up drafting cornerbacks and safeties, you know that the current cornerbacks and safeties that you have were put on notice. John Abram's been put on notice, like it or not. I like Jonathan Abram. I think he's got a great career in front of him. But no one's going to sit around for him and wait two or three years for him to develop. He's got to develop right now. This team, this is a priority. He's got to be great. And the same goes for Damon Arnett. I think that Damon Arnett's very aggressive, very good player. Proved that at Ohio State, but the clock's ticking. He's got to play at a higher level. And Mike Mayock said that. He talked about his draft class from last year, that they need to quote-unquote step up more. Well, that's his way of saying, I got guys who can replace them if they don't come in. 
If they don't come in and they're not ready to play and they don't look good, they'll be replaced. Gus Bradley has no loyalty to anybody on that defense. Nobody. Gus Bradley's coming in here to win and to be looked at as a leader, and he's going to put the best guys on the field. And there's a lot of depth now. 702-365-9200. Let's get to Raider T in Walnut Creek. What's happening, T? Brick, I got to tell you, I'm excited about the draft we just completed. After night one, I was a little nervous because I had Leatherwood, like all the internet yep. guys, as kind of a second-round guy. But after hearing everything about him, you know, the Outland Trophy winner, the team captain, all that stuff, I'm happy. Because the guy I really wanted was uh, Merrick, and we got both yep. those guys. And I think, you know, in terms of speed rushers, it's not 100% the case, but I think generally that's more of a left tackle issue. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with him on the right side. I think he'll be fine. If not, you can move him into guard. Um, but in terms of looking at the draft, I break it up into two parts, the first two rounds and then everything after. So we, mm-hmm. the first two rounds, we got exactly what we needed to fill the biggest holes we had on the roster. Everything after that, we did a good job identifying areas where there could be improvement, and we filled those spots. So, for example, Koontz, the pass rusher, Sounds like he's going to be a little bit of a uh, Ngakwe uh, clone. Mm-hmm. So that's another guy that can learn from Ngakwe. One more pass rusher to throw out there with him and Max Crosby, because I don't think you can ever have enough pass rushers. And then the two safeties you mentioned I'm excited about, Gillespie um, and Diablo. And uh, like you said, you have position versatility with those guys, particularly Diablo. He could be a weak side linebacker, or he could be a big, uh, strong safety like a Cam Chancellor. Um, so, number one, if Littleton doesn't step it up, you could potentially see him playing Littleton's position in the future. Or even if he does step it up, if Littleton becomes too expensive, that could be a replacement. You talked about Abram. Out of all the young players on the team, Abram is my favorite young player on the team. Not because of his production, but what I hope he turns into. And that's an enforcer in the secondary. Jack Tatum was my favorite Raider of all time. But that being said, I'm realistic. I'm disappointed in a lot of uh, his play. He had a lot of penalties, a lot of mental mistakes, discipline issues. So I'm hoping that um, he turns it on. But if he doesn't, then you've got another guy who could potentially come in and get the job done. you got to get the job done, right? So bottom line, they've got guys that can fill in nicely on the defense, and that was the big, big weakness this team had was their defense. So um, after a shaky first night, I feel much better about that pick and the draft overall. So I think they're they're going in the right direction. Excellent phone call. Very in-depth. Appreciate it. Excellent. That's what Raider fans can do. That was a very well-delivered phone call with a lot of depth about what the Raiders did and what they want to do going forward. Look, the, the criticism for the Raiders draft with Mayock, Mike Mayock down the road will be if Jonathan Abram is not here, along with Damon Arnett. We are nowhere near having that conversation. Nowhere near having that conversation. These guys are young guys, and it was COVID last year. I can't believe sometimes I got to be the voice of reason. I'm the last guy you want to be voice of reason. But I will tell you again, everybody should not criticize any athlete in any sport who opted out or didn't play well or got ill or wasn't right during a year of a global pandemic of 100 years. I'm sorry it's a throwaway. It is. Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. Good for them. They deserved it. They won it. They did it kind of uniquely with a guy named Tom Brady. Everybody else lost. No one else won the Super Bowl, so everybody else lost during the year of COVID. So for everybody who's all wild and fired up about what the Raiders should be, I agree. They got to be better. But remember last year, 
I sat in that building when it was empty, home and on the road. And it was not pleasant watching the Raiders lose in front of nobody, knowing that they could have won those games. Now I think they'll have some fresher legs in the fourth quarter. And when it comes to the depth of this team and what they're going to do now at the pass rushing position, Mike Mayock talked about Koontz as a pass rusher. Here's what he said. Malcolm Koontz is a guy that um, you, you guys haven't asked me about Koontz yet. And this guy at Buffalo has um, an innate skill and ability to rush the quarterback. And um, he's 6022. He's 249 pounds. He's got long arms, but why do you see him rush the quarterback? He's got he's got a real chance to to do some things that are kind of cool and will help complement Ngakwe. Yeah, and look, Ngakwe is going to need a rest. If God forbid Ngakwe and Ngakwe gets hurt, you know you got a young edge rusher coming off the edge. Look at it this way: there's so many new defensive tackles on this team. It's Solomon Thomas. You go down the list of the guys who are going to David Irving, who came on with me, and he, he sounded like he jumped through the phone when he came on me. With all the players that have come in, as long as Max Crosby, Cleland Farrell, Kuntz, and Ngakwe are rushing the quarterback in some type of rotation, and they have fresh legs, and they're coming in on second and third down on passing downs, and you're able to keep that defensive line fresh, I think it's going to open it up. And it's going to open it up for a quicker pass rush in Gus Bradley's system. Then all of a sudden, the defensive backs are going to be able to play better because they're not going to have those extended plays on the back end, those extended plays, where after a while, I mean, again, I keep going back to the conversation I had with Rod Woodson. And when Rod and I were talking about Hall of Famers, he made a great point about defensive backs today. We were talking about what's the greatest defensive backfield of all time. And it is Detroit's with Night Train Lane, Dick LeBeau. The guys that they had back then was arguably the greatest secondary of all time. And then we talked about the Raiders secondary with Lester Hayes and Mike Haynes. And you can go back to Tatum and Atkinson and Skip Thomas and the way that those teams played together with Willie Brown. But it's tough to put together the greatest secondary of all time. The 49ers, even the Steelers that Rod played on, even the Ravens, they only had one pro bowler. It wasn't like four out of the four guys were pro bowlers. It's hard to do. And then you just look at the Raiders now. I'm not even talking about Hall of Fame. I'm not talking about one having one Hall of Famer. You got rookies everywhere. You got two completely inexperienced young corners and a new corner that's come in and never played an NFL game. And John Abram was going into year three, missed year one completely, and last year got injured, the COVID situation, and didn't play much. I'm not talking about Hall of Fame. Who did Deion Sanders play with in San Francisco or Dallas? I'm looking at the complete opposite. Who's going to help the Raiders? Carl Joseph? That's your big veteran? So that's why I think Richard Sherman should be in play or another veteran who could come in. But a lot of people are telling me Gus Bradley's going to line up everybody correctly to begin with, and that's going to be a big difference this year is the scheme will line up players differently so there won't be glaring holes with the scheme that we saw at times last year. When we come back, you know what the biggest topic was up at Fred Bolitnikoff's? What to do about Aaron Rodgers? What should the Raiders do to put on a blockade? A blockade was the term I, I heard. 
to block Denver from getting Aaron Rodgers. Well, there's only a couple things you can do when it comes to a blockade. And I'll tell you that next when we come back. Raider Nation Radio as we continue. Brought to you by Grimaldi's. Craving some Grimaldi's back in town because it's the best pizza in all of Vegas. Are there any discussions at this point with Green Bay about Aaron Rodgers? Uh, Aaron Rodgers is under contract to another team. I can't talk about him. Ooh, Mike Mayock. Post game from the draft and Aaron Rodgers news as we continue. Brought to you by Ihole, the new award-winning, passionate tequila that we are working with here on the show, which I'm really excited about that. All right, so where can Aaron Rodgers go? The most asked question of me at the Bolitnikoff event this weekend, it was JT, what do you think of Aaron Rodgers to the Raiders? I said, well, it's interesting. I go, Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and he's still on the back end of the prime of his career. I, I say very similar to LeBron James is the comp that I use. LeBron James, not Tom Brady. Tom Brady's 43 years old, won a Super Bowl throwout that. That's a throwout statistic. That's never happened. It'll never happen again. LeBron James and Aaron Rodgers are very similar. They're still on the back end of their prime. They should be out of their prime, but they're not because they're playing at such a high level. So what do the Raiders need to do to block this move with him potentially ending up with the Broncos? Well, Bill Barnwell of ESPN wrote the biggest column that I read about the potential landing spots. He proposed two trades with Aaron Rodgers to the AFC West. So this was an ESPN article published today. Barnwell lists seven teams that could possibly trade for Aaron Rodgers. And they're most likely Denver or the Raiders. And this is the trade that he has. He says the Broncos are ranked first, but it would be fairly complicated to trade. The Packers would get Patrick Sertain, who they just drafted, Tim Patrick, Drew Locke, and a first-round pick in 2022 and 2023. Okay, that's what the Packers would get. The Broncos would get Rodgers. Then he broke down a Raider deal. He ranked the Raiders deal sixth. He said that the Raiders would get Aaron Rodgers and the Packers would get Derek Carr, a 2022 first-round pick, 2022 second-round pick, and the first-round pick of 2023. So here's the interesting part. If he goes to Denver or the Raiders, and I like to see Carr. I'm a Carr guy, but i got to throw that out all the time because some people need to hear that. That wouldn't be a great draft pick. It wouldn't be a top-five draft pick. It wouldn't be. So if the Raiders got Aaron Rodgers, the Raiders this year picked 17th. If they got Aaron Rodgers, the Raiders would probably be picking anywhere from 20th to 30th. So that wouldn't be the first-round pick that we think of, a top-ten pick most likely. So that's something that Green Bay would have to think about. And remember, this isn't a free agent. This would be a trade. So what we're going to talk about tomorrow a little bit more is because some of the national shows are going to go all Aaron Rodgers all summer long. So let me, let me bring you in on that secret. So all summer long, we, and what I do for a living, we look for topics to get us through what we call the dead zone. The dead zone is when there's no NFL. It's the summertime, and 
we really got to grind to find more and more content. And there's always something big that happens during the dead zone. There's a trade. There's something huge that happens. And, you know, Terrell Owens doing sit-ups in his driveway. The great Barry Sanders retiring at the last second. So there's always something big that's going to happen. We just don't know what it's going to be. Well, now we know what it's going to be. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers. Because Aaron Rodgers is a diva now. He's a full-blown diva. Great player. Not saying he's a bad person, but he loves this type of attention. He's marrying a Hollywood actress. He's very dramatic in his personal life. He doesn't talk to members of their family. Hey, look, I don't know what you got going on in your personal life, but if your girlfriend from three girlfriends ago got you not to talk to your brother and your parents anymore, if you can't figure out that after you were dating Danica Patrick and you got a new fiancé and you're not talking to your family still, that's on you. That's on you if you can't figure out how to talk to your mom and dad again over a girl and vice versa. So that, that's strange to me. He is a strange guy. But he seems like his roots are in California and he wants to get back. And he's going to end up having to decide what team. And he would go to a team that he wants to go to. He's not going to go. The Washington Redskins, who are now the Washington Football Club, that's the best fit. But Washington's not a very good team. They get some good players. But the only team in the NFL that actively needs a quarterback is just Washington. Everybody else seems to be pretty good. So we're going to talk tomorrow about the Raider blockade. How do you block Aaron Rodgers to Denver? The only way you can is by trading for Aaron Rodgers to come to the Raiders. That's the only way you can block it. Because if he goes to Denver, it's going to get rough. Because I was there when Peyton Manning went to Denver. And he played in two Super Bowls and won one. And Denver became significantly better than the Raiders overnight. Because Peyton Manning came in. And if Denver gets Aaron Rodgers, they're going to be significantly better than the Raiders. And they're going to go to 10 or 11 wins blindfolded. And Mahomes is going to have 11 or 12. So I'm all for Carr staying. Let him stay as long as he wants. But Raider fans are going to have to talk about the Aaron Rodgers blockade and how important it is to you. Because if Raider fans are waking up in September, looking at your season tickets, saying that we're going to see Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert in this building, just in the division, it's going to get rough. It's going to be tough to spin that one. So we're going to have to come up with what the plan is and hope that he goes somewhere else. I mean, Rodgers could make this real easy and go to Washington, and we never see him again. He'll be on the schedule this year because they play the Redskins, but long-term you don't run into him. If Rodgers, and I think the best fit for Rodgers is Denver. Denver's the team that's got really good assets to trade. Denver's got really good players. I love Denver's secondary. Their secondary is amazing. They got a great defensive secondary. You throw Aaron Rodgers into the mix with their skill players, they're going to be tough to beat. So that'll be the topic. I'll take the high road because I know Derek, and I hope to have Derek on the show. But Derek knows that Aaron Rodgers rumors are out there, and they're going to be out there every day. They were out there with Marcus Mariota. Derek had to deal with Marcus Mariota gossip. <laughs> this is different than Marcus Mariota gossip. This is Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is still great, not good. And to me, he's better than anyone in this league other than Mahomes. Mahomes is just different because he's so explosive. 
So that'll be something we're going to get into tomorrow when we get back into our guest rotation. Steph McKenzie, I'm hoping, jumps in with us. And a lot to recap that's going on here in town. So we're going to be really busy, and we're excited about that. Uh, thanks again. Good to be back after the Fred Bolitnikoff Hall of Fame Golf Invitational. Love that event. Love being part of it. And love the fact that I can share some stories, and hopefully we'll get some guests on who are at the event to recap that. The Blitnikoffs now are in the wine business, and proceeds from their wine sales go to Tracy's Place of Hope. So go to Facebook and find the Blitnikoff Foundation and buy some great wine. It's really good wine. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you back tomorrow, noon to 2. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.